You know the vibes. Another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K22. And today, Mr. BJ Armstrong is currently on a plane. So he's unable to record this podcast. So I thought, okay, we can't have the three-time NBA champion. So I'm going to get the Irish 2K champion in the building instead. I'm joined by none other than Mr. DBG. How are you doing, Mick? I'm good. I'm good. Can't wait to watch my Heat win the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm good. See, this is why I wanted to get you on because last year or the year before when it was the pandemic, we used to watch the games together. We used to do like little watch along. So I thought, who better to preview the conference finals with than Mr. Miami Heat? Um, there is a hilarious picture. I don't know if, if you've shared it with your followers. <laughs> there is a hilarious picture that I'm sure Mick is going to post if the Heat win this series. But of course, before we dive into that, you know, this is... When I first met you, this is how I knew that you knew basketball. It's because you were one of the few people who agreed with me when we were talking about Luka Doncic before he came to the NBA. And we were talking about just how great this kid is coming out of Real Madrid, how talented he is and how easy he's going to find the NBA. And fast forward, here he is taking out the number one seed, Phoenix Suns, with ease. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this good. I mean, not, <laughs> not this quickly. Like, I had him yeah. down as multiple-time MVP, multiple-time NBA champion. But this quickly, uh, what is he, 23? This yeah. is insane. But we spoke about it a bit on the podcast yesterday. We gave our reactions to it. But today, Patrick Beverly has hopped on CSP. We've got to talk about this real quick. Oh, my God. Patrick Beverly is the funniest person on earth today. Best. Just just today like, is his day in the sun. He's waiting I, for this moment. <laughs> How many years? And, and Russ as well. Don't forget the Russ. Russ earlier in the season. Yep. I, I love Pat Bev because it's like, Pat Bev, to an extent, is delusional. But if he didn't have the mentality he had, he would have been out of the league by now. For him to last this long, to be only yeah. six foot tall, second round pick, went and played overseas, come back to the NBA, credit to him, right? And this is his championship. He's been waiting for this moment since the Rockets traded him for Chris Paul, since, do you remember last year when he pushed Chris Paul in the back after that game? I think CP put 40 on him and he's been on ESPN sounding yeah. it off and I've, I've been loving it. He said, no one in the NBA is afraid of Chris Paul. I just spoke to someone last, in fact, I would tell you, I spoke to Paul George, dropped Paul George in it. Says, <laughs> and, and, and he's telling Stephen A, listen, I need you to slander Chris Paul like you slander Ben Simmons and, and Paul George. So I respect him sticking up for his boy. I, I, I find that hilarious, but we got a preview, of course. Oh my God the Western Conference Finals. So I'm going to ask you for your prediction and we can dive in as to why, but which team have you got and in how many games? I got my my prediction from March. Okay. From March, my prediction was a Dallas-Miami Finals and I'm sticking. I'm going to stick with that. But I'm running it back for the third time. I would have said Dallas instead of Dallas in seven, after seeing yesterday, and not just because the players got hot, Seeing how Luca more and more is willing to not have the ball every possession, which means that he's not going to be tired in the fourth quarter like he was against the Clippers in all those like games and stretch last year. I'm thinking Dallas and six. That's interesting. That is that is an interesting take because the Golden State Warriors. You, you know, when you look at this Dallas team, you think, okay, they like to run the small ball. You would think that the Phoenix Suns cause more problems for them than the Golden State Warriors would, given that they've got the size, they've got the wing defenders, and then they've got, 
you know, you know, these these MVP candidate guys that the media wanted to put in the MVP conversation, which was ridiculous. Whereas the Warriors, they're also a smaller team. So they kind of, I don't know if that make, means they match up better or they match up worse, but you don't have to worry about DeAndre and tearing you apart inside in the middle because they don't have that big presence. It's going to be a battle of, Luca's going to send, going to be guarding Draymond and Draymond's going to end up playing center. Yeah. Like you're going to be seeing Luca play minutes at the five this series. Yeah, I like that. It's like they put like Dorian Finney Smith at a five, and I love that lineup for the yeah. Mavericks. Uh, but the versatility of it, because essentially with the Mavericks, you've got Dinwiddie and Brunson, who they play as the guards, and you've got Luca, who's really a guard, but he's as big as a wing, Dorian Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock. And then you just add Maxi Kleber to any of those four of those five guys, and that's them, even though they start with Dwight Powell. So I really don't know which way to call this series, because for me, it's literally whose role players shoot the three ball better. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. Um, what I've seen in the regular season from these teams is Luca relentlessly picking on Stephen Curry. Relent- Do you remember that game in the regular season where in the whole fourth quarter, he just said, right, whoever Steph is guarding, bring them to me and I'm a cook. And he's going to do that with not just Steph Curry, but Jordan Poole as well. Okay. So there's that element to it. But then on the other side, it does remind me a little bit of James Harden's Houston Rockets. There are similarities between Luca Doncic and James Harden especially the way in which the team is built around him. That's why I think your point about trusting Brunson and Dinwiddie to create with the ball in their hands is so important. Because if it does just become Luca, the Warriors have seen that year after year with James Harden. So I think they'll be well-equipped to deal with that. Um, but I do think that the Warriors will be unafraid to experiment with the coverages they throw at Luka Doncic. Because I know Monty Williams got the coach of the year, but he did not coach that series well for the Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks. No, he didn't. It's the exact same as what happened. Like, not the exact same scenario, but it's the same outcome as what happened in the NBA Finals last year. As in, okay, what we have done to Giannis is not working. Let's stick with what's not working. Yep. Like, they didn't change how they defended Luka. Like, they defended Luka better in some games than other games, but they didn't change the looks they were giving to Luka. Like, I thought game one, that they'd done a good job as in, okay, we're going to stop all the others from scoring. But it turns out that really that was just Dinwiddie Brunson and the other guys who played bad. Yeah. More so than it was the Phoenix Suns did a great job of guarding. Yeah. And I think like they kept trying to go over on screens, which lets Luca put guys on his hip and then get into that mid range where he can just either create or score himself. I personally would just say, I'm going to just go under on Luca. And if he wants to shoot every time down, I'm going to welcome that. Because realistically, you're going to shoot 40% clip. Right? Luke's not going to score 100 points by himself. And I'm going to try and focus on the other guys. But the Golden State Warriors is an interesting matchup because on the other end of the floor, Luke is going to get tired out by having to chase around these guys because of the amount of motion. Even if he is guarding, um, even if he is guarding Draymond Green, right? The Warriors offense has so much motion in compared to the Phoenix Suns. But if you're guarding a Jay Crowder and he's stationed in the corner, maybe he'll set a pick. But really and truly, you can just stay off him in the corner. So the Warriors offense is going to make Luca work. So for me, I can't, I've been trying to think all day. I've been going back and forth in my head. And the conclusion I've come to is Dallas in seven. Because I can't call it. And I think it's going to go how this series did home games, home games, home games. And then it's just going to be game seven. And after seeing what they did in game seven last night, if you swap the Phoenix Suns to the Warriors and they played, because everyone wants to talk about the three-point shooting. The defense that Dallas played in that first half to build that lead 
was disgustingly good. It was, but also the Suns were missing open layups. Yes. Like the Suns. They, they were rattled when, though, because they couldn't get their looks. Yeah. But like even at the very start of the game, when it went, I think the Suns were up, or the Dallas Mavs, Mavs were up six or something. It was like 28, 22 or something. And I literally tweeted out, I'm like, how are Dallas not up 25 points? I'm like, every possession down was a wide open shot for Dallas. Mm-hmm. And the Suns were bricking shit. Sorry, swearing. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. They were just, oh, it was, it's one of those situations. I don't know if it's the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks are clearly a good defensive team. I'm not sure if last night was the Dallas Mavericks playing unbelievable defense or the Suns just choking as badly as I've ever seen a team choke. Yeah, that I, I was thinking about this when I was watching it. Have I ever seen, except for the Clippers in the bubble, a choke job this bad? And I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. But I have to credit, you, you see that clip, the inside track clip of the NBA where they have Jason Kidd. This is one thing that they yeah. didn't realize is you don't often see teams. So the road team in the NBA picks which basket they want to score in, right? So the Mavericks chose to score into the basket where Phoenix's bench was in the first half. Typically, it's the other way around. So you want your bench to be on the half of the court where you're playing defense in the second half because that's where you really want to lock in, right? But they chose to do that in the first half and they really came out and set the tone in the first half and built that lead that was just unassailable going into the second half. So I got to credit Jason Kidd because he really had the game plan of offensively, whatever worked, whatever worked. But defensively, they made the concerted effort to really lock in. And it's not like they even have good defenders on their They've got two good defenders on their roster, like on paper. Yeah, am I the only one who thinks that having good individual defenders is one of the most under overrated things for team defense? Like the Warriors play, re- I know obviously they, at times they can get blitzed out. The Warriors have played really good defense, even at their best, with one good defender in their team. Yep. Like, if as long as every player, like being disciplined is more important than being a good on ball defender in 90% of scenarios. Obviously, you need at least one player who just isn't going to get ran by every possession. But like, like those Warriors again, like obviously Iguodala was a good on-ball defender in 2015. He wasn't in 2018. No, but the thing that the Warriors had was switchability. So they had so many guys, Livingston, Iguodala, Clay Thompson, and all the all these kind of six foot six to six foot eight guys that they would just switch everything. That was the scheme. That's why it worked. There wasn't really a guy like we saw Grayson Allen in Milwaukee yesterday that you could just pick on and say, we're going to go after him. Well, there was Steph, but Steph, to his credit, actually digs in and is a little bit pesty on defense. And I have to give him credit for that. Steph's hands are quick. So if you put, if you throw a bad pass near Steph, you try to pick on Steph by coming in for screens, he's still going to hedge them. If you throw a pass near him to try to get the ball to the guy Steph Garden, he's going to play those lines well. Like Steph is a horrific on-ball isolation defender, but it's like, he's a good team defender. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well. Like when you're on a team that plays good team defense, you elevate your defense to the, like Jason Tatum is a very good defender right now. Was he a very good defender a few years ago? I don't think so. Do you see what, you see where I'm coming from with this? Is like Luka Doncic after game two and Jason Kidd called him out. I'm not saying he's been a great defender since then, but he's not been a bad defender since then. And he's not been able, they, they weren't able to target him for the final four games of that series. Yeah, like, Luca. one thing I noticed yesterday, especially, especially early on in the game, 
is that Luca kind of realized that he's not quicker. So he just said, screw it. Let me just try beat the person to a spot and just get his body in the way, slightly outside the key. So instead of getting a layup, they were having to go through Luca's body and put up a, a four-foot shot instead of a layup. And they just, Luca's just so well built that they struggled. Like Luca's not a good defender, but when Luca, especially we, I saw it with Slovenia in the Olympics, more so than ever with Dallas. When he actually says, you know what, I'm going to try and play defense, he's not that bad on defense. He's not a good defender, but yeah, he's, he's not got like size and strength. Trey Young. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what baffles me is Trey Young has the tools necessary to be a good defender. Same with John Morant, has the tools like ridiculous quickness, can move their feet, but they just don't even try. So that, that worries me, but I'm going to go with the wild card and say Dallas is seven. Um, okay. I, I feel like one of us should at least pick Golden State and I feel like it's disrespectful to not pick Golden State given how much championship experience they have but you say championship experience what about Luca? yeah that's true That's and this is the funny part is this pressure to him is not pressure like game <laughs> seven in Phoenix right you got these Phoenix fans shouting okay what else I see no one set fire to anything you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the people that like um obviously it's more so myself that I am like oh so many of my fans are American. Yeah. Like people don't realize it. And it's like there is nothing that would be more pressure than playing an Olympic semifinal with Slovenia. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that's more pressure than at 18 years old playing in a Euro basket final with Slovenia for a team that no one ever thought was gonna win. Bro, even playing in that even or the go- Euro League finals. Going on the road, playing in Fenerbahce. You, th- you think you're going to walk out the arena after that game and th- those fans can give you a nice time? Hell no. Go to Red Go to Red, go to to Red. Red Star during the national anthems. Just flares everywhere. <laughs> Hell no, man. You can't even go out to a restaurant in some of these European places. If you beat that team, everyone in the restaurant's looking at you funny. You don't want to be around that. So I hear what you're saying, but is aside from Luka Doncic, you know, are, are we trusting? Because the thing is that worries me is Finney Smith and Bullock. Their def- their, their three-point shooting, sorry. Their three-point shooting has not been good on the road compared to being at home. And the Warriors have the home court battle. That's the only thing that concerns me here is they're going to have to step up on the road. Phoenix also have the home court advantage. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. That's why I picked Mavs in seven, but who knows? Who knows? I, I trust... I trust Dimwitty after that skills challenge skills challenge win. <laughs> like that's not an easy that's not hey, an easy thing to win. Listen, shout out to my boy Spencer, but the NFT market and the crypto market is crashing right now. So he's got added motivation to make this NBA money because he got that bonus for getting to the conference finals, make another bonus getting to the finals. And then of course we all know about the bonus for winning the championship. But uh has, has Dimwitty thrown his has he got all his money in crypto and NFTs? I, I don't know what he does with all his money, but I know he's a big oh, no. proponent for it. We actually did an episode with him. You can check it out on the feed um, where I sat down and spoke to Spencer Dimity earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, he's been balling out and he, he's still cashing his checks. He's doing this thing. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference now. And Mick, you're a Miami Heat fan, so I'm assuming you're going to predict the Miami Heat, but in how many games? Heat, heat and six. Why? Because... Boston, I've never seen a team in games go from looking awful to the best team in the NBA from one from one quarter to the next yep. as much as that Boston Celtics team. Yep. And I just think that like Miami don't have a Giannis, but Miami do have guys like... Like, say if Miami played Milwaukee, Giannis is the best player on the floor, but the next four best players will be... 
would be from Miami. Yeah, that's what happened in the Celtic series against Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. But it's like it's the same thing. It's like you can Miami suddenly can play Duncan Robinson again if you play if Celtics are playing certain lineups. Because in fairness to like Grant Williams, he's just gonna stand in the corner. Yeah. Um I, here's my thing. And, and I feel really bad saying this because everyone knows me as the Boston Celtics guy. I think Miami win this series. Here's why. Yeah. Should I tell you why I think they'll win? Is first of all, as great as Giannis is on a defensive end, we didn't see him match up with Tatum. We saw it, he likes to play off-ball defense and kind of as a free safety roaming around. The Brooklyn Nets, they didn't really have any great defenders to throw at Jason Tatum. Whereas the Miami Heat, they've got PJ Tucker, who is an absolute dog when he's trying to guard Jason Tatum. They've got Jimmy Butler. And you know Jimmy Butler's about it. And they've got a few other lengthy wings that they can throw at him. Then Miami can also put out lineups where there isn't really someone you can pick on in the way that you'd pick on Grayson Allen or Seth Curry in, in the round before. I get Tyler Harrow, but they can even play with the way Victor Oladipo's playing. They can go for stretches with Oladipo. And Bam Adebayo, we know, is an amazing rim protector. Jason Tatum knows that firsthand from their matchup in the bubble. So the Miami defense... Uh, it really is, a, is an area for concern because Brooklyn were a horrendous defensive team. Milwaukee, a solid defensive team, but they clearly had two or three players, George Hill, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, that the Celtics would just target and go and score buckets on. Whereas I think the Heat only have one player, and that's Tyler Hero, that they can p- target to do that with. Do you think Miami go back at any stage to the bubble zone? Yes. The zone they ran the bubble yep. that Boston could not do anything against. Yep. But having said that, this Boston team is very different. You got to think about this. In the bubble, yeah. Tyler Harrow was cooking the Celtics because he was scoring pull up jumpers over Kemba Walker and Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker ain't even in the league, and Kemba's pretty much out of the league now. Yeah. In the bubble, the Celtics' big man rotation was Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? The Celtics have improved. And I think, especially with Al Horford, and Rob Williams, who are great passers, who can get to that middle of that zone and break that. And the growth in Tatum's game, I don't know if it will work as effectively, but the one thing Miami did a great job of, and Wesley Matthews did a great job of this in that one game where Tatum struggled in the Buck series, is forcing Tatum to his left hand. And if you force Tatum to his left hand, there's no way near as strong as he is when he can go to his right hand because he likes to sidestep. That sidestep three and the pull-up he has is always going right. And the Miami Heat were really the ones that gave the blueprint on how to slow down. He's still going to get 20-plus points but they really slowed him down and made him more inefficient. And I think the biggest advantage for the Heat here is Imedoka outcoached Mike Budenholzer off the court in that last series, especially in that game seven. And, and Steve Nash was just no competition in terms of a coaching battle. But now with Eric Spolster, who I have as a top three coach in the NBA every season, that's a really tough chess match for the coaching staff to be playing. Yeah, I just, Miami have been there as well. Well, only, what, three, four of the players are still on the team from the finals? I know, but... And if you can't... I know, you hate, I know you hate this. Heat culture. No, Heat culture. Go, go, get out Heat of culture. here. Get Heat out culture. Get out of here. Listen, it's I'm going to a- tell you this. I'm going to tell you this for free, okay? Heat culture does not exist. Because if it did, Nikola Jokic would not be walking around as a free man right now. That's all I'm saying. Is if you come and, and, and give someone on my team whiplash... And they're out for pretty much the rest of the season. If, if the culture's that strong and everyone's really tough guys that are about it, then I don't know. That's, that's all not, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even talking about tough guys. It's the culture of winning. 
Mm. It's a culture of guys though. Like every player plays their ass off. You don't see a, you wouldn't see a DeAndre Ayton survive in Miami. You wouldn't see a James Harden survive in Miami. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the way that people describe the way that people describe what the Philadelphia 76ers fans want. Oh, this is what the city of Philadelphia want that a player. That's literally what the Miami Heat is. Well, if Philly's fans could be in Miami, because Miami's fans on Come on, you see it firsthand. The fans in Miami. Oh, they're terrible. They don't they're, show they're don't terrible show. fans, right? So oh, they, they need to somehow swap franchises. But yeah. my thing is, okay, cool. They've they've got this culture of winning, but so do the Boston Celtics. If Why? You take, because they won in 2008 and they it, won in the 1960s. Okay. How many playoff series have the Miami Heat ever won without Dwayne Wade on the roster? Only in the bubble. Other than that, when have they, they ever won? We'll take the bubble off the table. That's where TJ I mean, Warren was scoring 60. Maybe we can take the bubble <laughs> off the table. The, it still counts. Hey, hey, if you want to count it, we can count it. But I'm just saying. That's, oh, you're, you're, tell, you're telling me the guys in a situation where like everyone, there was every player has come in and says one of the most mentally tough times that they had as a basketball player. A situation where one team managed to just come out of that playing better when every other team like there were players that would go off in games, but like they're the one team that consistently stepped up. That were when the going got tough, the longer they were in the bubble, the tougher it was mentally. Miami Heat got better, whereas every other team got worse. I can't knock it. And and if this this series was being taken place in the bubble, I'd have Heat in four or five, no doubt. But we're back in the real world now. I'm not saying it doesn't count. Back in the conference finals. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't count. I'm just saying it's different, right? Oh, it is. It's like. The bubble thing, this is my thing with the bubble. That's a shooter's gym. So guys like Duncan Robinson are going to play better in the bubble than they are going to play in a normal arena. Do you see where I'm coming from, right? I agree. There's, I there's agree. nothing, okay? When you're looking at the basket, it's just it's just black all around it. Carl Corver was speaking about this. It's a shooter's gym. It's the perfect place to play basketball as a shooter. That's why we saw so many scoring outbursts. Now, back in the real world, you know, it's, uh, it's different. It's different. So... If we say the bubble is different and then we say, okay, what is Miami's heat's culture of winning aside from when they can convince the superstars to force their way to team up with D-Wade, then there's really no what's winning. The, what's the Celtics culture of winning before, other than the big three, when they looked into the Warriors, giving them Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, or when they had the most stacked team in the history of the sport? Uh, I mean, you can luck into teams giving you players. I don't know. It's called trading. It's, it's called excellent uh, general manager front office work. It's uh, called 17 championships. And it's also called, if we look how at... Many of them were, how many of them were when there was eight teams in basketball? It doesn't in matter. There's still championships. It's still championships. Miami Heat weren't even a team then. Exactly. You can't, you can't exactly. hold yourself for Miami Heat weren't even a team. Exactly. Wait, Miami, the Miami Heat weren't... How many rings have the Celtics exactly. so, so anyway, so, so, so we're talking about getting to the conference finals. Um... You know, Jalen Brown's been to the, what? This is going to be his fourth conference final in six years. Is it four in six years? Jason Tam is his third conference final in five years. You know, I, I think that's a pretty good track record. These guys were chilling in the conference finals as rookies and sophomore players. So, you know, we can talk about. They, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking the Miami Heat. I'm they just saying. Yet. I'm Have just. Saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The Celtics are right there with them. I don't oh, think yeah, there's, like this no, is, there's not a mystical power that the Miami Heat have that means they're going to win just because hashtag heat culture. You know, I'm not knocking it. 
I'm just saying. Oh, so when when Miami when Miami win every game, Miami win. I'm just going to tweet you hashtag Heat culture at this stage. <laughs> I mean, I we are the, we are. Both. I pick the Heat to win it, right? Don't get me wrong, but I just that can't be a reason for the Heat winning it. You see, do you see where I'm coming from? Like I do. I, I, do. I I'm picking the Heat to win it because of their defense and Eric Spoelstra. I can't just say hashtag Heat culture is the reason. Like I I couldn't say oh the Celtics are going to beat the Nets. Why? Oh, we got 17 banners. That was that could never be my reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, my, my logic my logic for why the Celtics were going to beat the Nets is that Celtics have like a system and the Nets are no tactics, just vibes. Yeah, my, so my, my reason for the Celtics being the Nets is I watched the NBA this season. And yeah. I think anyone who watched the NBA this season could tell what was going to happen in that series. Like, it was, if you picked Brooklyn to win that series, come on, man. I really have to question the, the basketball credentials of anyone who picked Brooklyn to win that series. But that's a whole other story. But this series here... It's all going to, for me, it's going to come down to a three. It's the same as the other one. It's crazy that this is what the NBA has yeah. become. Which team's role players are going to score yeah. more threes? That's essentially, all these four teams left, they're all great teams. They all have great players. They're all great teams. And for me, it just comes down to the shooting variance of who's going to be able to knock down the threes more so. See, yesterday's game in Boston, Grant Williams scored half many three-pointers. But if that was Pat Connaughton, the Bucs would have won that game. It, that, that's literally all it comes down to is who's going to knock down their three-point attempt. So... That's a pretty pretty lazy analysis, but that's what the modern NBA has really that's, become. But that's what this four series, like this, that's what these series are. Like, obviously, I'm not being that serious by just saying hashtag heat culture. But like having the only way to actually make a general prediction, like, is to just think of some stupid reason why a team's gonna win. Like, yeah. oh, um, the Mavs, the Mavs are gonna win because I don't know, but uh, Reggie Bullock. Is going to become Reggie Bullock again. Okay, okay. Is, is it just me who watching the Mavs games, the commentator's way of saying Reggie Bullock's name? No, because, it's he. He's he's come out and said it's Bullock, not Bullock. Swear down, because there's yeah, there's, as far as I'm aware, there's Bullock, which sounds like block. There was Bullock, and there's Bullock. Like like there was three ways of saying it. I don't know which way to say it properly. My question for the Miami Heat though is: this is the one area is. They've had a very easy ride so far through the playoffs. Now, the Celtics, on the other hand, have been battle-tested yeah. now against Milwaukee. And that swings one of two ways. Either that swings in the Celtics' favor is they've been through the trenches, or it swings the other way and it goes in Miami's favor because the Celtics are beat down now. Because the, the Miami have played the Trey uh, Tra Young's and Hawks, who really didn't deserve to be in the playoffs this series, this season, if we're going to be honest. And then they played the basically Embiid-less slash 50% of Embiid because his face is fractured. Sixers team. So this is the first real test for the Heat. And Jimmy Butler's put up great numbers. But this is why I don't like the whole Jimmy Butler's averaging this and it's a historic thing. We've got to put it into context. Who's he averaging against? So do you think Jimmy Butler is going to step up and put out these superstar performances against the NBA's best defense? Because throughout the season, they've had really high points, but they've also had some low points. I don't think so. But I don't think that's going to be the difference. Like Jimmy Butler is going to be Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler is probably going to shoot it. A somewhat average 25 on somewhat inefficient shooting because of what the Celtics defense does. Because the Celtics defense is one of the best defense I've ever seen at holding isolation players into shooting low into being inefficient. Mm -hmm. Which means that he might struggle, Hero might struggle. But in fairness to Miami, I think that the Celtics also are not the greatest from what I've seen at guarding spot up shooters. And yeah. Like they're gonna hit shots. Like if they give the Bruce Brown shots to PJ Tucker, yeah, cash. Like they're gonna, they're gonna, yeah. 
Like he's uh, he's gonna Bruce, he's but, gonna but, give you a whopper. But this Brown is the other, the other part is though is. I don't think that Jimmy Butler commands the double team that Kevin Durant does, which led to the Bruce Brown open shots, though. I think you'd be more happy to let Tatum or these guys guard Butler one-on-one rather than having to double think, him. That's my question about Jimmy Butler is... You think Tatum... You think Tatum can guard anyone one You think Tatum showing he can guard some one-on-one in this playoffs? I think he's going to have to show it if they want to win this series. I think Tatum did a good job on Kevin Durant, but, like, there's actually a really good video from Thinking Basketball. And it's like showing how they guarded Kevin Durant. It's literally like Kevin Durant would try to make a cut through the paint and he'd be, he'd be yeah, hit by yeah, five yeah, Celtics yeah. players. Physical and basketball. Tatum, the playoffs. That's what I mean. But I mean, like, there's playoffs and then there's literally the entire defense saying we're going to do whatever the hell we can to tire out and stop Kevin Durant. Like, Tatum wasn't in single coverage on Kevin Durant once. Yeah, that's what that I'm saying. Series. He's going to have to prove it this series. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? That's what I mean. Do you, think, do, you, do you think he can? Do you think he will do it? I mean, like, he's going to have to. He, but that's how he's going to stop. He has the tools to do it. You know, we talk about it. He's got the wingspan. He's got the height. He's got the quickness. He's got the strength now to do it. My question he is, does, but... will he do it? That's what That's what I think the series depends on. Because if he can't do it and he does require that help and the additional help, then Duncan Robinson can enter the series. PJ Tucker, Max Struess, and all these guys can knock down these wide open shots much better than the guys in Brooklyn did, right? But that's my question. And, and I won't know until we see it happen. Oh, I yeah. think Miami are winning game one. That's a given. They're winning game one. And then I think the series is going to start game two. We're going to have to see what happens. You're, you're 100% right. If Tatum in single coverage can stop Jimmy, can contain Jimmy Butler, the Celtics are winning the series. Do you think he's going to do it though? That's the real question. I, I, don't I think have no will. idea. And, and my thing is this, is if you want to prove yourself as a top five player in the league, you have to do this. That's the personal yeah. challenge to Jason Tatum. You think you're a top five player in the world? This is your challenge to go out and prove it. Yeah. That, that, I don't that, I don't agree. I agree specifically for Tatum, but I don't agree that the top five player in the world has to be able to guard him one-on-one because Luca's a, Luca and Yogic are both top five well, players no, in the world. As, as in, this is what I would say to Tatum if I was coaching him, though. Like, uh, you, anyone can pick their top five list. I, I personally don't care. Like, anyone can have top two, top three, whatever. Like, but that's what I would be saying to Jason Tatum is you think you're one of the best players in the world. You think you're the best player in the world. Because he really thinks he's top three and he's not three. So I'll say go out and prove it then on the defensive side of the ball. We know you can score. We all know you can score. But the key to winning this series is if you're going to have to start double-teaming, guys, if you're going to start double-teaming Bam Adebayo, who's a great passer, start double-teaming Jimmy Butler, then that's where you're going to lose the series. But if you can stay home and play these guys single coverage, then you have a chance of winning. But 100%. Because it means that Miami can't run, can't really play to likes of Duncan Robinson. Yeah. And on the offensive end, Miami aren't great offensively when they have to play their defensive lineup. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's how you're going to win this series. Um, and you're just going to have to stop them getting into all their dribble handoff stuff. That's where the switchability of a lot of Boston guys, I think, is going to be useful. Going to have to see what the time loss status is. Uh, do you know if Kyle Lowry will be back? Because Marcus Smart is questionable for game I one. Don't, I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to be back. And he's a big, he's a big loss. Yeah. Big he's time. A big, big loss. Smart's playing with an injury. So... Um, we're going to have to see what happens. But DBG, Mick, thank you for joining us here on this conference preview. It's all up. You've got a few new channels. I'm sure you've got way more followers than us. But if you want to tell the people where they can find you now, your new channels and all that good stuff, where can the people yeah. catch you? Yeah, so DBG is just NBA 2K stuff, like kind of like news and stuff, some gameplays. DBG 2 is where I just play NBA 2K and just talk trash about cards, talk trash to people. 
Uh, we've got the B-Ball Daily channel, which I'm going to be kind of keeping for like video essays and basketball, actually talking with some nuanced analysis. Hey. And then we got the DBG V2 channel, where I'm just going to be talking absolute reactionary nonsense about basketball. A little bit like I did to an extent on this podcast right here. <laughs> and my camera is completely froze, is it? Yeah, it's been frozen for a minute, but don't worry. Most of the listeners on audio anyway. DVG, you thank you. I have another camera. You could have. Hey, it's, it's all good. It's only, been, it's, it's only been frozen is, for a second. There's Spencer Dinwiddie in a Denver Nuggets <laughs> uniform. That's fantastic. There we go. There we go. We're back. There we go. We're so, back. So, if you guys want to check out DVG, the king of NBA 2K, my team, go check that out. Mick, thank you for coming on. We're going to have to get you back in when BJ's here as well. I think that's that's a must that needs to happen later on this season. But thank you for joining us. Hopefully, the prediction about the Miami Heat is wrong and they get sent home crying back to Jimmy Butler's coffee shop. But we're going to have to wait and see if that happens. I can't can't (laughs) wait to tweet you. I can't wait to tweet you a picture of me, the Miami Heat picture of me with hashtag Heat culture. I'm looking forward to it. Heat culture's going to win it. Here's my thing. I just want to see good basketball. At the end of the day, I would love to see this go six, seven games, have a great Eastern Conference Finals because it's a win-win for me. Either my team gets to the NBA Finals or I'm going to be in South Beach for the NBA Finals mix. So I'm living good. You're going to, you're going to the finals. Maybe, maybe you might see me there. You oh, might see me flexing. Unreal, so. unreal. You might see me flexing. But until next time, my people, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Make sure you leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And most importantly, until next time, get buckets.